Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome to Good News. It has been it's been a long time. Thank you for everyone who has uh, hung around waiting for me to come back. It's been three months. That's hard to believe. It's been just over three months since we uh, since we last did a new show. Uh, thank you for staying tuned to uh, to Catholic Spirit Radio and all their fine programming. And for those uh, the six of you who listen every week and and wait for my return, I, I sure appreciate it. If you're wondering where I've been. Um, draw close to your uh, to your radio. Uh, look close at the speaker or at your uh, your laptop or your phone. However, you listen to good news. Look really, really close. And if we had a camera in this studio, which we don't have, you would see my crutch standing next to me and this the lovely air cast I'm wearing on my foot. So uh, mid June of this year, I fell at church after mass and. Uh, uh, did some damage to my foot. It's called, this sounds really official, a zone three Jones fracture. Doesn't that sound awful? And what it is, there's a tiny bone. I mean, it's a little bone like a like a chicken leg bone that goes from your ankle to your little toe. It's called the fifth metatarsal. So a Jones fracture is a break of that fifth metatarsal. In my case, it's the left foot. And the zone, the, the area closest to the little toe is zone one. The center of the bone is zone two. And the portion closest to your ankle on that bone is zone three. And I'm talking, we're talking a bone about the size of your index finger, right? So here's what happened. And I have to tell you the story because I have to counter the story that my pastor is giving. He got so tired of parishioners asking, where's Deacon Al, that uh, he's told them I'm in jail. (laughs) He says, "Don't worry about it. We're going to do a, a second collection on Sunday to uh, to come up with his bail." I am not in jail. I have not been in jail, at least not in the last three months. And uh, so after after mass, during mass, we'll start with this. During mass, you have in the sanctuary the tabernacle, the house where we keep the consecrated hosts, where Jesus lives. Right. Well, we have a second tabernacle at our church that's up in the choir loft. A little room, a little music room, a library room that's off to the end of one end of our choir loft. We have a second smaller tabernacle there. So that during the Mass, when we have a choir or an orchestra and one of our ministers goes up and offers them communion, rather than walk Jesus all the way back down and through the length of the church, they just go into this side room and put him into this smaller tabernacle. After the Mass, the deacon goes upstairs and retrieves the reserve uh, Eucharist, brings Jesus downstairs, and puts him in the main tabernacle. All right. So Mass is ended on, in mid-June, June 12th, as a matter of fact. And I go upstairs to uh, bring the host down. And I find that there has been a leak in our ceiling. And the tabernacle is covered with plaster that has fallen from the ceiling. And there's water stains on the door and... Um, that's not how we like to treat Jesus' home, uh, an unfortunate occurrence. 
So I, I brushed it off as best I could. I took the reserve host back downstairs, put it in the tabernacle and said to father, I'm going back upstairs to move the tabernacle to a safer location. It's being damaged. So I go back up into the choir loft. So our choir loft runs east to west. Okay. So I'm on the east end of the choir loft and I decide the safest place for Jesus's house is on the west end of the choir loft. So I just have to carry it from one end to the other. Not, not a big deal. 20 yards, maybe. Um, tabernacles, by the way, are quite heavy. They're, they're made to not be easily moved. So this thing has a boatload of lead in it, and it weighs, I'm going to guess, 30, 40 pounds. So I pick out my path across the choir loft. I pick up the tabernacle, and I head out the door of this little library to go across. So it's, it's a choir loft, so it has risers where the choir stands. The ground floor has the organ, so there's no room to walk. So this bright deacon decides I'm going to walk on the first riser, carrying the tabernacle, and go across and set it down at the far end on a file cabinet. I take about three steps out the door, and when I put my left foot down, thinking I've put it solidly on the riser, turns out it was half on the riser. And the edge of the riser was running from the running down the middle of my foot from toe to the heel. So the right half of my left foot was on the riser, and the left half of my left foot was over open air, and about a six-inch drop to the floor. And as I stepped forward, my foot rolled. So now my the sole of my foot is facing to my right, <laughs> at a right angle to my leg, and I drop straight down to the floor on the edge of my foot. And I hear the snap. That's how hard I, I mean, I heard the snap and said, I've broken my ankle. Didn't want to let go of the tabernacle because tabernacles are quite expensive. So I took the tabernacle to the ground with me. And luckily there were a few people. Thank you, Michael, Michael, and Nan, who uh, ran to my rescue up in the loft. They were, they were there uh, having worked with the choir. And they came over and they helped me up into a sitting position. And I quickly realized it wasn't my ankle. It was my foot because my foot was numb and my ankle was working just fine. So now my problem is I'm up in the choir loft. And my car, the choir loft's at the north end of the church. And my car is down two flights of stairs on the south end of the church. What to do? Take the elevator. So I walk over to the elevator and walk down the staircase. I have no idea why the elevator is sitting right there. I took me and my broken foot and walked down the flight of stairs, actually two flights of stairs, uh, down to the main floor. The length of our church, it's a big church. It's almost the size of a football field. Walked the length of the church. And as I walked past Father, I said, he said, What's, what was all the noise? I said, oh, I fell and broke my foot. I'm heading to the emergency room. Walked up seven steps into the sacristy, down another flight of steps to the parking lot, across the parking lot to my car, me and my broken foot, drove home, changed clothes. <laughs> I know. Called my wife, who was, who was nearby at, at my mother's uh, apartment. 
and said, uh, come get me. We have to go to the emergency room. I've broken my foot. Well, sure enough, I broke the fifth metatarsal in, in zone three, right, actually right at the knuckle where it meets the ankle twice. I put two right next to each other, two clean breaks, boom, right through it. Didn't hurt that bad. I'm walking on it. It didn't hurt all that bad until they went to do the x-rays and I had to take my shoe off. Once the once my nice tight dress shoe came off, <laughs> it was it was welcome to another world of pain. Um, they took the X-ray and they said, "Oh, you've broken your foot. You'll have to come back tomorrow oh. to see the podiatrist to have have something done." So they sent me home with with crutches, and I saw the podiatrist the next day. So here's here's what it's all come down to. Um, this is called a Jones fracture. It is the most common fracture for uh, football players and ballerinas. Now, I've never played football. I gave up ballet several years ago when I broke a hip and it wasn't mine. So, <laughs> so uh, but this is, this is what, the, what the wound is. And it takes, it's such a small bone and it's a long way from the heart. It has such low blood flow. That if you look up Jones fracture on the internet, it'll tell you takes sixteen to twenty weeks to heal. I broke my leg in seventh grade. I was in a cast for six weeks, back in a shoe, going fine. Sixteen to twenty weeks. So my first my first two months with this now, uh, from mid June through mid August, was no weight on the foot. Elevated, iced for two months. So there went pretty much all my ministries and uh, my gardening, you know, and you, you know how much I love my gardening and, and to be able to at, at best sit on my deck and watch my weeds grow. We'll talk about that maybe next week. Um, so I'm just to the point now where I'm on one crutch and I'm able to put a little bit of weight on the foot, 12 weeks and it's still numb. My foot is still numb. It's it beet red when I take my boot off. I have to wear a boot, uh, uh, inflatable, what they call an air cast boot, <clears throat> 24-7. It's been 12 weeks now in this thing. I'm ready to burn it. I really am. I'm, I, I hate even looking at my foot and seeing this thing dangling off the end of my leg. Um, so when I do take it off uh, to rewrap it, it's beet red like a sunburn still bruised from turning my foot and um, still numb three uh, down one side of the foot and three toes still numb, but I'm closing in on that 16 week mark and I'm, uh, and I could, I can walk short distances with some weight on it and, and no real pain. So I'm hoping to get back to my ministries pretty soon, but it's taken me this long just to be able to come in here just to drive. I just started driving a week ago. So I, I finally could get back into the studio uh, with, with all of you, and um, I've missed you terribly. And thank you so much to all, our, all my parishioners and listeners who have sent uh, emails and uh, cards and offered prayers for me for healing. Uh, that is so important, and it means so much to me. And I do appreciate everyone keeping in touch, seeing how I'm doing. And for those of you who hadn't heard my side of the story and only heard fathers, um, I am now out on good behavior. Father made bail for me and uh, 
and things are good. But that's just that's just part of what's going on for me this weekend. It's it's Labor Day weekend, John. Us workers. Yeah. <laughs> a, a day a day uh, off. I'm sure you get the whole day off. No? No. <laughs> Depends on what breaks. <laughs> um but it's Labor Day weekend this weekend, and what a great time to celebrate uh, all of our labor force uh, throughout the world. You know, uh, Scripture talks about the uh, the importance of, of work and the dignity of, of work. And uh, it's, it's right that we take it at least one day to recognize everyone uh, in, their, in their labors uh, to help their – to support their families, to support themselves – to uh, help their community to uh, to function, um, it's it's important to work. There's there's a dignity and um, and a meaning and a spirituality to labor. So happy Labor Day to everyone! And we're going to finish our program uh, at at the end here. We're going to have a offer a special prayer for all the laborers uh, in the world. So please uh, stay and and join in with with that prayer. Uh, they they certainly need our support. I, I speak as a retired person uh, the, the, and to my appreciation for everyone who, who works and, uh, and helps us to live the life we live in this country. So um, I guess, gosh, I've took up half our time talking about my foot. How, uh, how egotistical is that? <laughs> well, now I have something to, uh, to take with me to confession. So this weekend, for Labor Day weekend, our gospel is a gospel from Luke, and it is a much maligned gospel. Uh, there's one one sentence in there that people who, you know, there's two ways to look at, look at Scripture. You can read it for understanding and enlightenment, or you can read it as a gotcha. There are some people who study Scripture not to get anything for themselves out of it, but to be able to point to it and say, see, you're wrong about what God teaches. This is, this is wrong. How dare he say that? How can you agree with this? And this is one of those gospels that has great controversy in it. Um, and there's no real reason for that. If you, un, if you read it for understanding, it makes perfect sense. So the gospel is from Luke. It's from chapter 14. It goes like this. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there's enough for its completion. Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether the 10,000 troops he can succeed he has can successfully oppose another king, advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. 
So do you see the 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 line? Actually, two lines, which uh, people use more as a weapon than as an opportunity to understand what Christ is saying to us. So those lines would be: If anyone comes to me without hating his mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And then at the very end, we hear, in the same way, if anyone who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So is Christ actually asking you to give up everything you own to follow him? Yeah, for some people he is. Actually, and some people have done that. Uh, look at look at some of the uh, people who live a religious life who are, or have entered into the priesthood. Many of our uh, men and women who serve the church as priests and nuns have actually given up everything, everything, all their possessions, left their families behind. Well, I shouldn't say left their families behind, but put Christ before their relationship with mother and father. Not that they hate them. And that's not really what the scripture is saying. What Jesus is saying, you must love me more than your mother and your father. You must love me more than your children. You must love me more than all your possessions, or you can't truly be my disciple. And there, really, there's a, there's a lot of wisdom to that. And he's not really asking everyone to give up everything. That wouldn't be good. If you're, if you're the parent of, of children and you gave up everything, think of, think of what that would do to your children. I mean, think of how harmful that could be. But he's, what he's saying is what you have shouldn't take, a play, shouldn't take priority in front of your relationship with Christ. And people say, well, I don't do that. Of course, I can't make it to Mass every Sunday because we have traveling football, traveling soccer, traveling baseball, traveling whatever. Uh, see, I've got this standing golf date with, with some buddies, and it's Sunday morning because that's when we could get the tea time. And, well, you know, but I'm outside. And, and so I, I pray before every shot, right, that, that I have a low score. So I'm praying, and I'm outdoors in God's beauty, but I don't actually make it to Mass. No, no, that's, that's putting your entertainment, your pleasures in front of Christ. Well, I have to work. I have to work. You know, no, actually, been in that position. You don't have to. It's a choice. There are other jobs. Okay, it might another job that didn't work you on Sunday might not pay as much. It might not. But God provides. And as long as you put money in front of God, that's not going to work out well. Because that's that's your foundation. Your relationship with Christ is your foundation of everything else. And that's why Jesus talks about in this gospel, who would start a building without first making sure that they had a firm foundation? Who would go into battle if they knew they were going to lose? When you, go, when you try and go through life without God, that's exactly what you're doing. You've, you've forfeited that, that foundation. You've forfeited that, that strength, that army, to help you do battle with your problems in life. So that's what Jesus is saying, not hate your family, not give up everything you have, but stop putting other things before me. And that's where we have a hard, that's where we have a difficult time in our lives. It's hard to do. It really is hard to do. But we have 
in, in this country, for the most part, we have so much stuff. We really do. And it tends to anchor us rather than free us up. The more stuff you have, the more things you're responsible for, the less time you have for Christ. You know, I thought I was doing pretty good. I'm doing my ministries. I'm keeping really active in the church. I've got my morning and evening prayers going on. I've, I've, got, uh, I've got prayer groups I meet with during the week. And I'm thinking, you know, piety-wise, I'm doing pretty good. And then I broke the leg. And in breaking my leg, I realized how much time I was spending doing stuff, doing activities, and I wasn't really spending as much time as I used to in prayer. I wasn't doing as much time as I, as I used to be doing in study. And I also realized how tremendously I missed the Mass. I've been watching on television up until the last week. I'm finally to the point where I could get back, uh, I could get in the car, and I, I could uh, navigate steps and, and get back to church. But for 12, oh, 11, 10, 11 weeks, watching Mass on TV is, is a poor second choice. It really is. I, I miss the beauty of the Mass. Um, the pageantry is part of it. I mean, it's a great show. It's, 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 it's a great play. It really is. It tells a fantastic story, the story of salvation in an hour. We tell the whole story of salvation. But watching it isn't the same as participating in it. And I miss the Mass so much. So to finally have so many things cleared off my docket that I could spend more time in study and more time in prayer helped me to actually appreciate the Mass even more. And getting back to the Mass uh, in just this last week was, was such a great opportunity. You know, we, we try so hard to help people to understand the function of the Mass, and we've done a terrible job of it. We really have. In the last, and I'm going to say really the last 40 years, 50 years, um, we've done a terrible job of educating people about the beauty of the Mass ever since Vatican II. Vatican II wasn't a bad thing, but we implemented it so, so poorly. And we took so much for granted that we thought people actually understood about the Mass. And we didn't, and, and it wasn't explained to us. And even now and then when, when a priest will do an explanatory Mass, um, there's only time to just give a little tiny part of the beauty of the Mass. Spend some time looking into it. There's some great videos. Uh, Bishop Barron has some wonderful, uh, a wonderful series on YouTube about the Mass where you can look at each portion of the Mass, and he, he explains why we do what we do and really opens up the beauty of it and, and the story of the Mass. But we see, especially after COVID, uh, the numbers are an attendance, and it's not just the Catholic Church, it's all churches. Attendance is not what it should be. And it's because of what we see in this gospel. We put too many things before Christ. You say, well, there's other things in our faith that's, that's as important as the Mass. No. The, the Mass is the pinnacle, the, the highest level of worship in our, in our faith. And if Christ isn't worth 
the highest level of worship, then you're relegating him to a lower level. You're saying you're important, but you're not that important. You're only this important. That's that's something that that we each have to deal with to to discern for ourselves uh, what what we're saying to Jesus when we say the mass isn't that important, or it's not important enough for me to make an extra effort to be there. So, I, I invite you, whatever your age. And, and, and I'll tell you, we see a lot of young, young children at Mass. I don't see a lot of teenagers. I see some, same faces every week. Uh, but I know there are far more teenagers out there that I don't see uh, than, I, than the ones that I do see at, at Mass. So ask yourself, what's, what's important in your life? And if you have things that are more important than, than your relationship with Christ, it's time to rethink that. It really is. We have just a few minutes left. This is Labor Day weekend, and I thought it would be nice to end our program with a prayer to all laborers. This was a, I found this on the, uh, the website for uh, the United States uh, College of Catholic Bishops. So this is one that, that, that they've written, and I thought it was really beautiful. So on behalf of Catholic Spirit Radio, uh, on this Labor Day weekend, I would like to offer this uh, prayer for Labor Day, and I invite everyone who's listening uh, to join me in this prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As the sun rises to bring in the new day, we remember those who descend into the earth. Their work begins in darkness, pulling from the earth the resources we steward. We remember those who work inside a building, away from the light and the brightness of the day. We remember those who work outside in the harsh elements of our world, the bitter cold and the sweltering heat of extremes. We remember those who do not have a job to go to, who are struggling to meet the needs of their daily living expenses, for whom the day becomes long and arduous. As the sun sets to bring in the evening of rest, we remember those who work in the night. We remember those who are trying to recover from their labor and toils of the day. We remember those who participate in unsafe and dangerous work. We pray for a renewed sense of dignity in their lives and in their work. God, in your goodness, you have made a home for the worker. Make a place in our hearts for compassion to the men and women who labor tirelessly for basic necessities. Ensure a place for the men and women who are struggling to find work. Grant us your wisdom to greet and care for those who are unable to work due to illness or circumstances that prevent their participation. Be with the children who are not able to run and play, but instead must put in a hard day's work to help their family afford to eat and to live. Be with all of us, Christ Jesus as we go about the busyness of our work, hold us accountable not only for our actions, but mostly to each other and our neighbors. May we continue to work together to bring about your reign. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. On behalf of Catholic Spirit Radio and myself, Deacon Al, here at Good News, I wish you all 
God bless and happy Labor Day. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.